Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Aaron. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. It's another college basketball edition of the pod as we're running into the stretch run now of college hoops. Final weekend of January, February college basketball will really take center stage in the sports world post-Super Bowl. Of course, the big game down in Tampa still eight days away, but we want to get more college hoops picks out for you. Hopefully we can turn it around been cooling off a little bit here. Greg Frank at Undercover Greg to find all of my picks. Bill Christie, you know him as Lucha Larry on Gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks. Two, Bill, good to have you aboard. How are we doing? Doing pretty well. Like you said, though, we got turning around here. Last couple of pods we put out uh, our free plays here haven't been super hot. Um, but I'm having a very, very strong week, so I can't complain too much in overall on the month, I think I just eclipsed over 55 units for the month, so very happy with that. Just hopefully continue that into tomorrow. We can give these guys some some easy wins. Yeah, and, and by the way, I mean, that's, that's an impressive month of January, but uh, a nice rotation here. I mean, we're, you know, I haven't looked at the, you know, schedule beyond tomorrow, but uh, you're giving me a Saturday with this slate. I mean, there's a lot of intriguing games. Of course, I suppose a lot of it is due to the Big 12 SEC Challenge, which I always wondered why they had it when they had it in the <laughs> yeah. schedule, right? Like, here we are, mm-hmm. like, late January, and we got this big event of all non-conference games, but uh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to complain about it. I'll take more of it if they'd give it to us. <laughs> For sure. So let's get started with, the uh, Big 12 AC, SEC Challenge, excuse me. And uh, that, of course, is the first game on our on, on our picks, excuse me. Uh, and it's a team that we've been uh, kind of giving out a lot, I feel like, on this particularly yeah. Saturday pod. Uh, as I'm going to look to a short home favorite here for my first pick. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide traveling 
to Norman to take on the Oklahoma Sooners. And I'm going to be looking to play Oklahoma here. As it looks like Oklahoma's minus two, minus one. I got a minus one. Uh, and, 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 you know, for a lot of the reasons that if you've listened to this podcast before, uh, Bill and I love these short home favorites, overranked opponents. If the, you know, unranked team is favored, particularly, and in this case, Oklahoma just cracked the top 25. So certainly the line is screaming at me, in my opinion, to take Oklahoma because you've been through enough of these games before where if you're just getting started gambling, the line is screaming at you to take Alabama or that team that's, you know, way way ahead in the rankings and the line is at pick or, you know, Alabama's even, in this case, a short underdog. But then you look more at Oklahoma, and again, as I said, this is a spot that they have been in time and time again and had success. Eight and one straight up, seven and two against the spread, at home, and of course, Bill, we discussed them on this very podcast last week against Kansas. Earlier in the year, there was a Saturday home spot like this where they were played in the conference against West Virginia. I'm going right back to the well here with the same thing. Uh, and you look at the way Oklahoma is playing recently. I mean, they're playing like a team on the rise. I don't see any reason. Even if they were a short dog in this game, I might be looking at them as the move here because they've gotten recent Big 12 wins against Kansas and against Texas as short underdogs, and that Texas win was on the road. you know. And, and listen, I realize Alabama is a juggernaut right now. They've won 10 in a row, cover 9 out of 10. But I'm here to say pump the brakes just a little bit. The only ranked opponent uh, for the Tide in that streak was Tennessee. So they are top 15 in offensive and defensive efficiency. Absolutely could see Alabama making a deep run in the NCAA tournament. But like I said, only one of those wins in the 10 against the ranked opponent. I think Oklahoma is definitely the side here. Uh, not going to be a max play for me like the Kansas game was because that was also me not really liking Kansas, and we'll get more to that later. But I, I definitely think for a unit, I'll get down with the Sooners here. Yeah, I don't have much pushback. Like I said to you uh, pre-call here, I just uh, – it's hard for me to make a strong stance on Oklahoma here only because Alabama has played so, so well. I mean, you made the point of the only ranked team that they beat was Tennessee uh, on that stretch, but they also beat you know a good Auburn team. I wouldn't say exceptional Auburn team, but they beat them. Uh, and they also beat a subpar Kentucky team, but they didn't beat them. I mean, they smacked them by 20. And they clobbered and then they went out. Yeah, and they clobbered LSU too. Um, like, like they, this is a team that has the ability to really win games, even in these spots where, again, like you said, that line kind of just jumps out to you where you're like, it doesn't make too much sense that Oklahoma's being favored here in this spot. Um, and the three-point shooting, obviously, is a thing that, that kind of scares me the most. Um, and then when I dove into that a little bit deeper, I noticed that uh, defensively Oklahoma does not defend the three ball very well. So I think that kind of pushed me over the edge of staying away. I don't. Have, I definitely don't, wouldn't play Alabama. I would think that if I had to make a play, it would be Oklahoma. But again, for me, it's going to be a no play. I hope you get the W here. Um, and I'll be looking forward to just watching a great game of basketball on the early slate here tomorrow morning. Yeah, no, it should be a good game. 12 noon Eastern time uh, between a surging Oklahoma team and one of, if not the hottest teams in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide. You're going to keep us in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. 
I just gave out the Big 12 team in Oklahoma. You're going to look to an SEC team, Bill, a big favorite at home, the Missouri Tigers, welcoming in the Texas Christian Horned Frogs. Missouri laying 10.5, total of 138 in this game. You like the Tigers. Let's hear why. Yeah, I do. They're coming off the bounce-back spot here. They lost to Auburn. Um, and then TCU coming off a loss to Kansas, where, no, well, that's a game that TCU shouldn't win anyway, obviously. And that was ugly. I don't know if you saw the. Did you see any of that game where it happened uh, to see the score at halftime? Good deal in that game? Yeah, and it was like 18 to 19 at halftime. It was, it was abysmal. Um, and I think that kind of speaks more to where Kansas is. Yeah. More so than, like, you know, TCU playing not having a great game. I kind of feel like that's just what TCU is now. Um, and Missouri, they're 3-1 they're and one against the spread after the loss. TCU's only 1-2 and two against ranked opponents, obviously, Missouri being ranked here. Uh, and Missouri being 28th in defensive efficiency percentage, uh, 54th in offensive. I just don't see this game being close at all. TCU, to me, is who we think they are, which is just not a very good team. Um, I've always been waiting for Jamie Dixon to make them uh, a real contender. Yeah, yeah, just really haven't seen much out there. Um, I think this bounce-back spot for Mizzou is a good spot here. The fact the line is this high uh, makes me feel a little more comfortable. I think if I would have seen single digits, I would have been a little apprehensive about it. But the fact that it's open at 10.5, I feel comfortable taking – uh, the Tigers here, and I think that they really put TCU away handily in this game. Yeah, not a ton for me here. I will say I think I think your point is well taken about kind of the line and where it's at and as far as, you know, which side you want to be on because obviously you look at these two teams and, you know, you see a Missouri team that is, you know, hovering around 500 in conference play, 10-3 and three overall, in the SEC, uh, and then obviously it's a Big 12 team in uh, TCU that, as you said, is, is really just kind of, uh, you know, trudging along through another mediocre season, 2-5 and five in Big 12 play, 9-6 and six overall, you know, and, and so it looks like it's two mediocre teams. Maybe Missouri's a little bit better than that and I'm not giving them enough credit, but the point I'm making is when you see a line this big between two teams that, you know, at at times Missouri has looked good, but for the most part, you know, I I don't think they're really scaring anybody, and when you see a line this big in that kind of game, I I think it's a sign of how bad the dog is, and and so I think TCU, yeah, there's not a whole lot. I don't think I've bet them once this year, and it just doesn't seem like there's a lot going for them in their favor there, so... I would probably lean that way as well. Yeah, we're talking about a Missouri team that right before this loss to Auburn, they they beat a number six Tennessee team in Tennessee by nine. So, I mean, if they're beating Tennessee on the road by nine, to be able to take care of TCU at home by ten and a half shouldn't be a problem. Right, exactly. So, again, as I said, Missouri's had some moments here or there. I believe they beat Illinois back in a non-conference game. So, if they can string a few more of these games together, maybe they can start getting on people's radars a little more. They are in the top 40 in the Kempom ratings as I'm looking now. Missouri uh, sitting right now at uh, 35. So be interesting to see where they can move as far as uh, seeding. And, and, and let's be honest, Bill, like the SEC, especially with Kentucky's flop, like it's a pretty open league. You know, I know we just finished talking about how good Alabama is. But after that, I mean, 
you're talking about Florida and LSU and, and Tennessee starting to lose a few games. I mean, definitely opens up a lot after the Crimson Tide. Yeah, it's a lot of parity in that. Like, I don't, I don't, there's nobody, like you said, I guess Alabama right now, it's kind of like looking like they should be able to run away with it. But yeah, at this point, it's, it's anybody's uh, conference championship to take, in my opinion. Which also adds, I think, to why I would probably like Missouri as well in this game uh, to try and make, uh, you know, send a bit of a statement right. to the rest of the SEC. But anyway, I want to move forward, and uh, we're jumping around from conference to conference here. I'm going to take us to the Big East and what I think is one of the more, uh, you know, trappy lines of the Saturday. And we're seeing the Providence Friars laying three on the road in the nation's capital against the Georgetown Hoyas, a total in this game of 140. And and this number really opened my eyes as a game that I wanted to get involved with and take Georgetown because Providence, and this is something I'm going to say a lot in February, uh, because, Bill, one thing that always grinds my gears, and this is not just in college basketball come the end of the regular season, this is in NFL Week 17. It's just when people say, oh, you know, you got to bet on this team because they have to win or they're on the bubble. It's mm. a must win. Well, obviously, we all know that to be true. But these teams are on the bubble or they're in must win situations to make the playoffs for a reason. And that's because they're just not that good in the first place. And that's kind of what I'm feeling with Providence here. Currently, Joe Lenardi, the bracketologist at ESPN, has them in his first four out. And, oh, by the way, we could have a pretty big bubble game looming on the horizon for Providence up next against Seton Hall. The Pirates are currently in Lenardi's last four in. So, obviously, that's a massive game as far as the bubble is concerned uh, moving into the month of February. And as I said... This is just a really funky line where you have a Georgetown team that's going nowhere fast. Speaking of player, you know, coaches at their alma maters that haven't been able to get the program going in the right direction. Patrick Ewing's been at Georgetown for a few years now, and it doesn't really seem to be, uh, you know, not a whole lot is uh, turning around there uh, yeah. for the Hoyas. So, you know, having said that, uh, you know, I, I looked at this line and thought, oh, gosh, you know. Georgetown, they're they're not having a good year at all. They're two and eight straight up in their last ten for this season. They've only played eleven games and they're three and eight. And here they are. The line's only three against a Providence team that's a bubble team and for the NCAA tournament. You know they should be able to handle Georgetown if they're if they're truly a bubble team. You know a team that would be in the middle of the Big East and Georgetown we know is far down towards the bottom. I did look at the last five games for Georgetown, and it does look like they're starting to be more competitive. They've lost five in a row against Syracuse, Butler, Marquette, Seton Hall, and St. John's. But um, the most recent losses uh, against Syracuse, Butler, and Marquette were all by single digits, and the Hoyas did cover uh, two of those three games. So for what it's worth, and I've talked, I'll talk about this a lot when you're betting on bad teams, you want to see them competing. You want to see them playing hard. It does seem like that's happening for Georgetown. But, Bill, the biggest reason why I'm on this game is because, again, when I saw this line and when I see you know, how every game for a team like Providence is going to mean so much, and when I see them only laying three against a bad Georgetown team, that means it's going to be dog or pass. I, I ultimately plug my nose enough here, given Georgetown's recent improvements, so to speak, in terms of competitiveness. 
Uh, like I mentioned, I'll take the Hoyas plus the three-pointer. Am I – correct me if I'm wrong, but Georgetown hasn't played in 19 days. Is that right? That's it. Yeah, right. Exactly. That was the other thing, by the way. I meant to get that into the handicap because mm-hmm. they've only played 11 games for the season. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're off a long layoff. We know Villanova had a long layoff uh, earlier in uh, Big East play with COVID. So, yeah, Georgetown last game was that Syracuse game on January the 9th. But, again, the line is just really weird to me, so I'm going to take Georgetown. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really can't get behind either side here. Um, you know, a big part of my Rutgers handicap the other night was the fact that Michigan State was a team that's kind of been in the position that Georgetown is where they've been sitting out in the sidelines watching everybody play for so long. Uh, and it takes a while to get that chemistry back, I feel like. And, Look, I don't I don't know much about Georgetown. I really haven't followed them that much this year. Um, but like you said, that line just coming out at three. I, I thought the same thing when I first looked at it. I said, this doesn't make much sense. And, you know, um, usually I can back that. Same thing with Oklahoma. You know, if I wanted to go aside, I would be going Georgetown here. Um, I just can't get on either side here. So, again, I'm going to wish you sure. luck on this one. And, and hopefully the, the Hoyas can get it out right for you and not even make you sweat. Let's go back to the... SEC Big 12 Challenge, where we have the Auburn Tigers making the trip to Waco to take on the Baylor Bears. Catching 15 are the Tigers, a total in the game of 156. But, Bill, you're not going to hesitate to lay the lumber and back the Bears. Yes, that is correct. I know we've spoken at nauseam about Auburn and how much we were going to fade them this year. I actually did play Auburn in their last game. Um, and look, at uh, I've been very vocal as of recently about Sharif Cooper. Uh, he, he completely changed this team, right? Like this Auburn team is completely different when he's on the floor. Uh, he's on a different level. I actually tweeted out, I would say, I would argue that he is – possibly the best point guard in the country right now. Uh, and, and in my opinion, he's the best prospect at point guard um, to make it to the next level. But both teams here, they're coming off wins. Um, and again, I said how much I've valued Sharif Cooper's um, ability to turn this Auburn team around. Uh, however, <laughs> the guys over at Baylor, uh, I believe, also have the best backcourt in the country not single sure. guard but you know when you're talking about Macy Oteague and Jared Butler and Davion yeah, Mitchell Butler I mean everything it felt like in that Kansas game yeah, yeah. like the, you, you have to figure that they've been hearing the same things right about this kid Cooper and how great he is and I have a feeling they're going to take it personally um they're the best backcourt in the country and they're going to prove it tomorrow Baylor being five and two as home favorites Auburn is only two and three as road dogs uh and when you look at offensive and defensive efficiency, Baylor is phenomenal. The number three offensively, the number one defensively, and I think that's going to be the key is the Baylor defense here. Baylor's going to frustrate this young phenom. He's, they're going to cause a ton of turnovers. Baylor, they're number two in the country in turnover percentage. And you, when you look at the other side of it, Auburn, granted, majority of the season was played without Cooper, um, but they are still 308th in the country. Uh, in terms of turnover percentage, I think they're going to frustrate Cooper. They're going to get him out of his game, uh, and I feel like I'm going to see Baylor winning by 20-plus very, very easily in this one and making a serious statement in this game. Yeah, I I don't know. I, 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 I go back and forth here. I, I get your points about 
Baylor and the backcourt advantage despite Cooper and, and what he brings for Auburn being in the fold now. I I stay away. I mean, I know that Too Baylor, many points? It, it is a lot. And, yeah. you know, I know that it hasn't seemed – I mean, I back Baylor um, against TCU um, back – gosh, what were they? I was given 12 and a half. I'm looking at their games now against uh, TCU – um, and, and they won that game by 18. So I, I've done it before, but, you know, something tells me eventually the market's going to catch up to these teams that just keep win cover, win cover, especially like Baylor, top five team in the country. You know, maybe a little look ahead for them, too, against West Virginia up next. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, excuse me, against Texas next. I don't know why I said West Virginia. Um, and, you know, Something tells me too, like with with Auburn, right? Like I talked about this a little about why I backed Auburn a few weeks ago on a crossfire one that I actually won against mm-hmm. Alabama, thinking, well, you know, this is it for them, right? Like, and I kind of feel that way here, like massive non-conference game, not going to the ACC or the uh, NCAA tournament, you know, the postseason ban. Like, if there's a game where you think Auburn is going to be able to, you know, treat it like the national championship. It might be this one. So, um, I, you know, obviously I, I, I'm not playing Auburn. Like, it, it just isn't a game that stood out to me in either direction. Yeah, I think I would hesitate again. This is similar to the Missouri spot that I'm in. I would hesitate if I small if I saw a smaller line. Sure, um, okay. But the fact that it's opening this big, it's just, to me, it's indicative that, that Baylor is going to be the team that's going to come out here and just have a lot to prove and just wax Auburn in this one. So, we'll see, though. Let's Let's keep things moving, and I'm a little interested in this game in the ACC uh, where we have the Florida State Seminoles traveling to uh, Atlanta to take on Georgia Tech. Uh, I got four. Uh, I'm going to take the dog here at home in Georgia Tech. Uh, looks like three and a half, four uh, is where the market is currently sitting, total of 143. Um, and, you know, my play here isn't necessarily going to be on you know, fading Florida State as much as it's going to be on Georgia Tech. And, and I'll get to that in a minute. For what it's worth, by the way, uh, I'm also kind of just expecting a little bit of regression from Florida State. They've won five in a row. Four of the five have been by double digits. They've covered all five. You know, and here they are, you know, against the middle of the pack ACC team at best. And they're only given three and a half, four. Almost feels too good to be true. Um, and... You know, then you look more into the Yellow Jackets, you know, save for a loss in its last game against Duke on the road, which, by the way, wasn't a blowout. Uh, mm-hmm. No, they've done well when in their few games where they've stepped up in class in ACC competition. They beat North Carolina as a four-point underdog. They covered as an eight-and-a-half-point underdog against Virginia and nearly won the game outright, losing by two. And a team that's kind of in the middle of the pack with with Georgia Tech, excuse me, in the ACC standings, Clemson, they recently clobbered by 18. So I think this is a Georgia Tech team that's starting to find its way. A little bit of a revenge spot here for Georgia Tech as well, having lost to Florida State in Tallahassee by 13 points earlier in the regular season. Um, And another thing that really made me, you know, kind of open my eyes and why I think I definitely wanted to take Georgia Tech, this is only the third true road game for Florida State, which I thought was surprising given how you know we're on to mm-hmm. the last Saturday of January here. 
you know, I know the season started a little later, but still been going for about two months now. And one of those previous two road games for Florida State was a loss at Clemson by 10. And I just finished talking about how Georgia Tech clobbered that Clemson team. So, you know, by the way, you know, they might not be on many people's bracketology right now. Georgia Tech, they certainly still have work to do. But Ken Palm seems to like them. 58th overall in the Ken Palm rankings. And they're 39th in offensive efficiency. So, uh, you know, revenge spot, maybe a little, uh, you know, come back to earth game for Florida State. Georgia Tech starting to play better. I'll take the Yellow Jacks, Yellow Jackets here as a short dog at home. Yeah, I didn't initially have a play on this. I looked at it and was off of it, back on it. And then hearing you, and as I'm listening to you, I'm taking a look at some of my earlier notes. I'm going to be on Georgetown here as well. Um, Georgia Tech. George, sorry, Georgia Tech. <laughs> uh, yeah, i got Georgetown in mind after talking about those guys. Sure. But you mentioned a, a strong fact here, the fact that Florida State is only their third true uh, away game them being one and one as a road team they have not been a road uh a road favorite yet so they have not played in that role however when you look at george georgia tech uh as a home dog they're three and oh uh so i like that spot for them i also like the fact that georgia tech is three and one against the spread versus ranked opponents showing they get up for those games uh, and the fact, again, like you said, it's a small alliance on a ranked team at home versus a ranked team. Uh, there's also the revenge factor, like you mentioned. So, yeah, I'm going to be playing Georgia Tech here, taking the points. Uh, and to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked. I really would not be shocked if we see uh, Georgia Tech take care of them at home and, and get a W outright. It would not shock me in the least. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's a short line. And, again, Georgia Tech, Bill, like we talked about it a little bit the other day with, uh, like I think you mentioned Pittsburgh kind of having a sneaky season here in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. kind of what I think we might be talking about, especially if Georgia Tech can win this game, where you're going to look up and be like, oh, wow, you know, Georgia Tech, you know, they're, they're you know, kind of right there in the middle of the pack in the ACC. Like, you know, they're not at the top. You know, they're not there with Virginia or, or even Virginia Tech. But, you know, you're going to see them in the ACC standings, you know, hovering around Louisville and Duke and, you know, North Carolina, and, and, and it's, you know, obviously Georgia Tech is going to feel mm-hmm. like the team that doesn't belong, but it's one thing that we talked about uh, on a previous podcast, uh, you know, about, you know, Bayheim at Syracuse, of course, they're now in the ACC, and, and Roy and, and, and Kay, and, and how it just feels like, you know, obviously Patino is no longer at Louisville, like, it feels mm-hmm. like we're seeing more of a changing of the guard in the ACC, and maybe Josh Passner's team is taking part in that as well, and maybe this is the beginning of them beginning to kind of make some inroads themselves as a program. So, uh, again, I just think this conference all in all, when you handicap games, you kind of have to try and get rid of some of the, the past, you know, the, the, the previous stereotypes that you mm-hmm. have about certain programs because it's really just not like that anymore. Yeah, and not even just stereotypes, but this is, this is the point of the season where I like to really throw away the first, I don't know, two to four games of the season. Sure. When you go back and look at this Georgia Tech team, yeah, they're seven and five. All right, you take out their first two games, a loss to Georgia State and a loss to Mercer. This isn't the same team that played those two games back in late November. So if you take them out, all of a sudden they're seven and three. And like you mentioned, right in the right in the middle of the pack here in conference play, they beat a 
when Kentucky was ranked. They beat a Kentucky team. They beat a decent Nebraska team. Uh, they beat a, a decent North Carolina team, a decent Wake Forest team. They beat a number 20 Clemson team and did it by 18. You know, like, right. And they hung tight with this Virginia team only losing by two. And, you know, I think, <laughs> crazy to say, their one bad loss recently was to that team in Durham and losing to them by seven. So, yeah, we yeah, look at it that way. This seven, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's really not that big of a loss. It's just that we feel like, you know, this that team is just really not what they normally are. But again, you look at the you look a little bit deeper into it, and this respect team, they're not that bad. So yeah, I like the spot getting them a couple points at home uh, in that revenge spot against the against the Knowles here. Always good to have some agreement and uh, talk you into it a little bit. Hopefully, <laughs> together on the Yellow Jackets contentious play that yeah, I will admit later on in the pod, I, I will admit you probably convinced me a little to, to seal the deal on, but I was leaning heavily towards that side anyway. I'm going to go to the Big Ten first, where there's a conference game that I am intrigued by between the Minnesota Golden Gophers and the Purdue Yellow Jackets, excuse me, the Yellow Jackets, <laughs> Purdue Boilermakers, uh, as the uh, We're Boilermakers are. awfully early in the morning here on Saturday morning. It's, we got <laughs> we got 1.50 a.m. here for me on the East Coast, and we got, what, Greg, what do you got there, 12? Closing in on 1 o'clock here in the Ugh. Central Time Zone. So, yeah, bear with us here as we try and get this out. Hopefully you're up early enough to listen <laughs> to these picks as well because some of these games are going off at 12 noon Eastern Time. This is an evening game, though, as the Boilermakers in West Lafayette hosting the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, and I'm going to lay the short number here. I got two and a half, looking like it's out to three, three and a half, which makes me feel all the more better taking Purdue uh, as a short home favorite against Minnesota. Uh, you know, obviously, again, you know, sounded like a broken record, but this is another unranked team, favorite against a ranked team, and, and Minnesota obviously kind of clinging to a spot in the back half of the top 25. And, and, and this is just plain simple home road splits. Minnesota has been a dumpster fire on the road, 0-4 straight up and against the spread. Um, and another reason, by the way, uh, that I, I, I was kind of intrigued by this and the reason why I, I was going to pull the trigger with Purdue, obviously it's a pretty short line here, but Minnesota's last seven games have all been decided by double digits. Um, they're 3-4 and four straight up in those seven and obviously the winner of those games all covered the spread because it was a pretty big margin of victory. So, you know, I, I, I have to think, you know, I'm not saying that Purdue's going to win by 20, but it, it sounds like this is the kind of variance where Purdue could win by that much. And if you had to ask me which team wins by double digits here, I'm obviously going to go with the team that, you know, is having more success at home because I'm going to get to that in a minute. And obviously I mentioned Minnesota and their struggles on the road. Now, as far as Purdue at home, six and one straight up at home, and the one loss was just recently uh, earlier this week against Michigan. So you know they're at home again, and you know Michigan just went into West Lafayette and, and beat Purdue by 17 points, right? So mm-hmm. you know it's a Purdue team that normally you know they're, they're not never always you know the most talented team. You know they're not they're not regularly having NBA draft picks or whatever, uh, but you know, uh, actually, it was a Friday night game, so they've been sitting on it. They've been sitting on this Michigan loss now for eight days. But, you know, so it was last Friday night, not this week. But point being, coming off their first home loss, had to sit on it for a week, back at home. They Before the Michigan game, Purdue was actually playing pretty well. They had won four in a row, covered all four, uh, and before that four-game winning streak, they had a loss, albeit – against Illinois, 
where they happened to push the spread, and, uh, you know, they were an eight-point dog, lost by eight, on the road at Illinois. So it's not exactly something to hang your heads on. Um, and, and, hey, you know, again, the Ken Palm seems to be in line with Purdue being a favorite here. They actually rank Purdue a little higher than Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Purdue coming in at 30 to Minnesota's 32. So I'll be on Purdue here laying the short number at home. Yeah, there's definitely no pushback from me here. Uh, it seems like it would be the right play. <laughs> you said it. Um, and not so much a pro-Purdue play as much as it is a fade the dumpster fire that is Minnesota on the road. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be back in Purdue if I'm backing anybody in this one. You know, Bill, one thing that I was interested by, and I think we've seen this because we talked about this before with the Big Ten, where it's such a deep conference, and, you know, I know we lost on a consensus play earlier this month on Rutgers at home, uh, you know, and, and, and one of the things that we were against Ohio State, and it was similar home road stuff where mm-hmm. Ohio State was not a very good road team, and Rutgers was pretty good at home. It just feels like in this conference, especially the middle of the pack teams, this, I think this is legit as far as struggling on the road because you're tested on a night. I mean, Purdue's still a pretty good team, right? Like, mm-hmm. probably an NCAA tournament team in Purdue. Yeah. Uh, so you're tested on a nightly basis pretty much. And if you're not Iowa or Illinois, you know, or Michigan, you know, then going on the road is always going to be hard in this league. And that's why it doesn't surprise me when we see these teams that are considered, you know, middle-of-the-pack Big Ten teams, Rutgers, Ohio State, Minnesota, whoever, struggle on the road. Because every night you're facing a pretty good team. And, you know, unless you're one of those top-tier programs, it's just harder to get it done on the road, fans or no fans. So I, I'm not that surprised by these teams in the middle of the Big Ten, like the Minnesotas, that that – struggle on the road that's just something i've noticed at large here yeah yeah i mean i haven't dug deep into it but i have the same feeling as what you're what you're saying there when i've been you know just casually browsing through the big 10 games here yeah i I agree with you on that uh let's keep things moving and uh bill you have a little bit more of a uh shorter handicap to get to but nonetheless as we always say all tickets cash the same and (laughs) Air Force traveling to San Jose State. Uh, what's this, the Mountain West? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Air Force, a three-point road favorite, total of 141. Uh, impart me with some Air Force basketball <laughs> wisdom here, Phil. <laughs> I don't have much at all. I mean, I, to keep it very, very simple here, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm using the zigzag theory here. Uh, Air Force just played San Jose State uh, and took the loss. They're still favored in this game again. Um, and it's a decent fair. Like it's not a one-point line. It's a three. Um, and this is pretty much the same spot that I had Boise State in tonight. I actually played Boise uh, as a three-unit play, uh, and and that really panned out well. It's just if you've noticed a lot of these teams – in these smaller conferences when they're playing these um these back to back games. Did you see Boise tonight? Yeah. Yeah, I did as well. <clears throat> yeah, especially, you know, again, same kind of theory, right? Like Boise taking a loss 
uh, in their previous matchup with Colorado State uh, just just the day before, you know, to come back and have that same kind of line. It just, to me, it just screams uh, to take the opposite on that. And then when you really look back and, and, and break down each team, how they've done, it's amazing how many you see split. The only time that I feel like I, I don't see many splits is when you're talking about a team um, that's pretty much on the upper echelon of their conference. And you maybe see two times so far this season where they were able to steal, I shouldn't say steal, but be able to win both games um, and cover the spread in both of those games. So, you know, San Jose State to me is not one of those teams where I expect them to be able to cover both both games uh, on the spread here. I like Air Force. Uh, I like I like them being favored with the same typical line as it was played last game when San Jose State beat them. Uh, so, yeah, let's go Falcons tomorrow. Yeah, no, I think your point is well taken about the zigzag, especially in these mid-major conferences where uh, I, I just think generally the variance is a little wider in terms of the night-to-night outcomes because, you know, we just finished talking about the Big Ten and how, you know, in that conference, you know, best conference in America, and it feels like every game could be a, a war and a dogfight right to the bitter end. But obviously in these mid-major conferences, not as much the case. You know, the, the, the third team in the Mountain West playing the seventh team in the Mountain West is probably going to be a more lopsided game than the third team in the Big Ten playing the seventh team in the Big Ten, right? So, right. Uh, you know, I, I think when you get the same line, uh, you know, a, 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 as you had before, and, and therefore, you know, you don't really get any kind of movement uh, in either direction, uh, that's probably a sign that yeah, you're actually getting a little, the favorite a little cheap in these mid-major games. So um, I would, I, I, I definitely see where you're going with that handicap. I want to take us to the ACC uh, where I will admit fully that this is probably my, uh, you know, least confident play, uh, but it is an in-state rivalry game as the Virginia Cavaliers travel to Blacksburg to take on the Virginia Hokie, Virginia Tech Hokies total in this game of just 124. Um, but I'm going to be on Virginia here. I got plus five uh, on the home dog with Virginia Tech. And, and honestly, like, this is just like a just like a college play that, and like fans is probably a better spot to play with fans, but I can't not like talk myself into a home dog in an in-state rivalry game between you know two big-time teams you know in their conference respectively. That's kind of what I'm going at here with Virginia Tech, um, and you know we talked about it on our last pod. Virginia Tech, uh, we thought the Notre Dame game, this was going to be a clear look ahead. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Virginia Tech yep. would, would lose to Notre Dame. And and the fact that Virginia Tech, I mean, you know, they won that game by double digits. And, you know, the fact that they were able to just kind of go into Purcell Pavilion there in South Bend and just take care of business when we all knew what was on deck, I think that that actually makes me like them here even more because I think that's just a sign. You know, Mike Young coming over from Wofford last year, like, he obviously did a lot of good things with that Wofford program. And mm-hmm. I remember early in the season last year, like his third game or whatever coaching there, they beat Michigan State. Like, I, I just think he's got his team and his program, uh, you know, pretty tuned in on a nightly basis where, you know, and and, and I think I, that message kind of conveyed to me all the way back when I mentioned that Michigan State win that they had early last season in his first year there that, you know, there's they're not – throwing games away or, or packing it in because they're playing in Michigan State or whatever because they're a big underdog. They're going out there 
playing hard, believing they can win every game, and focused on every game. And that's what that Notre Dame game most recently here kind of told me, where it was like, okay, you know, this is a team that is very laser-focused, 40 minutes, that's all that matters. And they went to South Bend, and they just took care of business like they should have as the better team, even though the line obviously stood out to us in a certain in a certain way to, to take Notre Dame, obviously. And then the other thing here that I like is they lost the game, this game last year in Blacksburg. They lost by three. Uh, and the line was two and a half, uh, Virginia Lions. So the uh, Cavaliers covered by the hook. We know we, Virginia at this time last year was the defending champions, and, you know, and you know, so still are, you know, right, still are. So, so how much better is Virginia, right? But I know Virginia Tech is better than they were last year, mm-hmm. and I'm getting five, and, and you know, so that's double the line from two and a half. I, I think I'm going to get there with Virginia Tech. I will play them, but as I said, it's probably the play of the ones we're giving out here that I'm the least confident in. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the middle again, similar to where I was with the Oklahoma Alabama game. I really can't pick a side here. It's very very intriguing. I mentioned early on this year that I'm huge on Virginia. Um, my excitement for them kind of tampered off as they struggled a little bit uh, getting out of the gate, but it seems like they've kind of turned a corner here. And when I'm looking at it, it's it's super intriguing. Virginia Tech are three zero against the spread against ranked opponents that lines up here. Then you look at as a road team in Virginia, they're three and oh as right. a road team. As a road favorite. Three and oh, yeah, exactly. Uh it, it, granted it's only one game, but as a home dog, Virginia Tech's one and oh. Um the one thing that kind of just popped out to me a little bit here that I didn't realize prior to and I wish I had when we were both on Notre Dame uh, against Virginia Tech last time was prior to that game, they were 2-0 and after a loss. And we've talked about programs that seem to really bounce back well after a loss. I don't think I would have put Virginia Tech in that category back then, but they're obviously that now. I mean, the fact they're 3-0, and they take a loss, and you mentioned it, what Mike Young's done with the program uh, has been pretty impressive. So kudos to him. So again, I don't, I don't have a place where I could go – into Virginia Tech or, or take Virginia in this one. I, I'm going to sit back and hope for a good game. Uh, you know, it might be a little bit on the low scoring end there, but, you know, the fact that you're playing Virginia Tech and you're getting the points, I could totally see Virginia getting the win but not covering in this one. Sure. So I'm going to lay off and, again, wish you the best of luck in this game. I appreciate that. And we're going to wrap things up here uh, with some consensus action. As we move through the Saturday rotation, uh, we've been dabbling back and forth on this Big 12 SEC challenge, Oklahoma, Alabama, Missouri, TCU, Baylor, Auburn. And here we go to probably the most intriguing game in the challenge, and that is the Tennessee Volunteers hosting the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Tennessee, a short home favorite of two and a half points, total in this game of 130 and a half. And Bill, I'll let you start. We're both going to be on the Vols. Uh, you tell me what you like about Rick Barnes' team here. <clears throat> so the fact that both coming off W's, um, and in that spot, Tennessee is six and three against the spread. You look at the other side of it, Kansas, they're only three and six in the same role. Tennessee's defense, in my opinion, will be too much for this Kansas offense that seems 
very, very mediocre, and honestly, last couple games, they just seem lost. They don't look like they have a real identity offensively. Uh, we talked preseason about uh, Marcus Garrett being a guy that needed to really step up, and I feel like he's tried to as much as he can. I just right. don't think he's. I don't think he's that player, and that's and that's not a knock on him whatsoever. He's a phenomenal Division One college basketball player. I just don't think he's the kind of guy that is going to be able to carry this Kansas team offensively, and and it's kind of shown itself that way. Uh, and I look at the line. You know, it's, it's a short line here with Tennessee, and I really think that if this wasn't a blue blood program in, in Kansas in this spot, um, with similar records and 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 kind of with the same struggles that Kansas has kind of been going on recently, I really think you're seeing a six to eight point line here. I think we're getting a discount um, because Kansas being Kansas, uh, and I haven't really gotten a chance to look at it recently, and I'm sure there's not that many tickets on it, but I, I, I'm being led to believe in my mind that just because it's Kansas, you're going to see some tickets on Kansas um, over the 50% number uh, in total. So if that's the case, it's going to make me like Tennessee all that much better. Um, but again, this Kansas team to me is just, it, they just don't look the same as a typical Kansas team. And to be honest, the fact that they're still ranked, uh, where, where do they have them ranked at now? I, I lost that. Um, they're the on fact, the, friend, the late teens, I think. It's like 18 or 19. Okay, yeah, I mean, a five-loss team, and I just don't, and again, any other team, I don't think is up there where they're at. I think because they're Kansas is the only reason that they're there. Um, but yeah, the, their struggles as of late, their recent form has not looked good. You know, you, you kind of want to say they maybe turned it around against TCU, but like I said, I mean, it was 19-18 to 18 at halftime. Um, and TCU had actually had a chance to put them away kind of early in the second half. They jumped out and had like a six or seven point lead early on. And, you know, to Kansas' credit, they came back and got the job done, got the W. But again, there's just not that offensive identity in right. the Kansas team. And yeah, I'm looking and, back and at and it now. Garrett, I don't know who he is. And we talked about Garrett. He's only averaging 10 points a game. Like, we knew he was going to bring the defensive prowess. But, you know, his all offensive game is still. A work in progress. Ochai Abadji is a pretty good player, uh, you know, shooting over 40% from the three-point line. But as far as, you know, the late-game situations, get me a bucket, uh, you know, there's not that Frank Mason or, you know, going back further, Sharon Collins, you know, somebody like that, just that junkyard, you know, that killer, you know, dog, you know, that yeah. you know, that, that they normally have. Yeah, it's just, it's just not there. And, again, I, I mean – I can't back Kansas at all on that, and I think Tennessee's having a great season, so I'll be playing the Vols. Yeah, and I'll be on the Vols as well. And, and by the way, we talk about Kansas kind of needing to grind games out and defend, and they are 11th in defensive efficiency, but Tennessee's number two yeah. in defensive efficiency, so they're even better. So that makes me think, too, like if we're thinking Tennessee might be able to win if the game's a little more up and down, well, we're saying that Tennessee might be able to beat Kansas at what Kansas needs to do to win games. So that makes me feel like Tennessee is the clear side here as well. I looked at Kansas's games against ranked opponents this year. Four and three straight up, three and four against the spread. And at first you might think, oh, okay, well, you know, that's not 
awful, right? Four and three straight up against ranked opponents. That's not bad. Well, first off, let's remember again that, as you said, Bill is not your typical blue blood in that regard. Normally, you'd see them, you know, in seven games, seven and oh, six and one, maybe five and two at worst mm-hmm. in seven games against ranked opponents. Then I looked deeper into this. One of the straight up wins that they did not cover was a really close game at the beginning of the season against Kentucky. You know, who obviously, as time has gone on, we've seen that Kentucky program just self-destruct this year. So the fact that they couldn't really beat up on Kentucky, I think was, you know, has also says something about Kansas. And then the other game that was a cover and not a, and, and a straight up loss was Baylor, who they obviously was the bad beat of the year that they hit the three in the final seconds on, and mm. they would get killed most of that game. Yeah. Was, they really didn't really prove that they were you know, belonged on the same court most of that night in Waco. So, uh, and by the way, uh, you know, I, uh, as I look through these ranked opponents for Kansas, Oklahoma last week was on the precipice of being ranked and now is. And in a very similar spot, I think Kansas ended up going off as a one-point favorite in that game. But here they are as a two-and-a-half-point underdog. You know, obviously they lost that game against Oklahoma. I'm probably – if you're just going to give me Kansas at pick against these teams or or damn near close to it, one possession, laying two-and-a-half, I I think I might just blindly take the other team and and just keep baiting Kansas in these spots because I think in the guts of the game – uh, I just don't see Kansas pulling through. Uh, it, it just is an, a mediocre team this year. And, and, and listen, Self has made some runs. You know, that team that lost to Nova in the national semifinal uh, back in 2018 was not, I didn't think, a very good team. And, you know, they made a deep run and not got to a Final Four. Like, could they find something later on in the year and, and maybe, you know, catch lightning in the bottle. Like, I'm never going to rule that out with self. Like, I think he's a good coach that always gets a bad rap for losing in the tournament, which is kind of a lottery in the first place. But mm-hmm. here in this spot, as I said, against the ranked opponents, they just haven't been doing it enough for me to make me feel like they're the side. And as you said, Tennessee having a pretty good year in and of itself. Uh, I, I think the teams like Tennessee, these teams, where it's like, oh, now, you know, we're playing Kansas – now we can beat them, and you know we can you know think about the the historical significance here, right? Where if you're a school like a Tennessee, or you know not as much Baylor, because there's and there's history of Tennessee too. But my point is, these teams that have a chance to beat Kansas in years when Kansas might you know yep. they're used to seeing Kansas in the top five of the country, mm-hmm. like. You got to think they're licking their chops, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's funny. I'm just happening to pull up the AP Top 25 right now, just to take a look at something. And we've we've talked a lot, and I've always heard you say like this changing of the guard. Are we seeing a changing of the guard in this conference or that conference? Man, when you look at the Top 25, and you compare this Top 25, and I'll I'll do this later when I get some other time. I'm gonna check back and see some of the most recent Top 25s uh, over the past couple of years. When you're looking at these teams, though, like all right, Gonzaga, yeah, they've been a – I guess you consider them in a way a blue blood of a non-Power 5 conference sure. team. And Baylor, a little bit. Villanova as of late, yes. Michigan, not really. Texas, not really. Houston, no. <laughs> Iowa, a little bit. Virginia, obviously, as of late. Alabama, like Texas Tech since Chris Beard's gotten there, yeah. Missouri, 
Uh, I mean, Creighton okay. Uh, this Virginia Tech team we were talking about, Minnesota all of a sudden, St. Louis. Uh, yeah. It's, and then you look at, obviously, the other ones, you, the, the, the teams that aren't there, like Kansas being, I have them 15th here. Um, but we mentioned that. like they, they don't even belong in 15. They should be in the bottom of the top 25. Louisville, barely in the top 25. North Carolina, unranked. I mean, Bill, Dude, we're talking about Duke unranked. last week. It's like missing the tournament, possibly. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is crazy. And now, I don't know what you you can say like is a factor Did of you this state slipping yeah another one there's just so many of them it's 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 crazy um and i don't know if it's because i mean some of the coaches like we've said slipping for quite a while they made that one run as a 10 seed to the final four back in like 13 or 14 but yeah. they've been a bubble team uh, the last 5 6 years yeah it's just it's crazy to see it and and to me I feel like it's only good for this for the game because um, it, you know, it gets stale after a while and you're seeing the same teams. Like, right. Let's look at the same thing. We're talking about college sports here. When you look at college football, I mean, how many times can you see Alabama oh, yeah. win the national title? It's, it's, it's just getting so stale. Um, how many times are they beating the Clemson or Ohio Clemson. State? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So it, it's kind of refreshing to see these other teams uh, popping up and, and kind of taking over the roles that they these old blue blood programs uh, used to have. And, and, you know, from a betting standpoint, like we're talking about here, possibly getting Tennessee at a discount because of Kansas's name. I I love the fact that we're able to kind of, kind of constantly take advantage of it throughout this year because we really don't know how much longer it's going to last because right. we all know Vegas is going to make adjustments eventually. They're not just going to be giving it away. But, hey, the more the public backs these blue bloods in, the, in these kind of positions – they're not going to need to because there's going to be so many tickets and so much money on them that they're not going to care, you know, right. the, the other sides are the ones that are that are cashing. So. so there we have it, a consensus play on the Tennessee Volunteers to wrap things up for this edition of Full Slate. Bill, any last words, any plans for the weekend and, you know, drinks of choice? What, what are we, What's in store? Nothing special. I'm actually headed to an open house tomorrow. That's how exciting my life has become. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I actually just sold our place recently, looking to move out into a different spot, a little bigger okay. house for the kids. So I'm going to be trying to juggle that along with following up with all of my plays <laughs> throughout the day. I just so. want to know when you're going to text when one of these plays is blowing up. And oh, you're... always, right? Always. I got to do that <laughs> once. I only, do, I only do that to you guys on the text because I will never be that guy on Twitter that posts it because – it is one of my biggest pet peeves when I see sure. these guys that are, you know, that oh, I do all this research. Like, yeah, you're going to have bad losses. And for you to react that way to everybody, come on. Like, let's get real. Yeah, there's going to be losses. Day, we can do as much research as we want. But 100%. the book is going to hang a number, and the book is going to tell you this is 50-50. It's going one way or another, and you got to beat 11 to win 10 more often than not. That's Absolutely. obviously very hard to do. Absolutely, and we look forward to doing that tomorrow. We're going to write the ship. Everybody that's listening, back these plays. We're going to be cashing tomorrow, just like we've been cashing in the stock market all week long if you were hopping in on that stuff too. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to a great slate. We're headed into February, the stretch run here prior to March Madness. It's always a great time, um, and I always love talking to you, Greg, about this stuff and we're going to get the winners tomorrow for sure. Let's enjoy it, Bill. Thanks for your time. He's Bill Christie, Lucha Larry on Gambling Twitter. 
at Larry's Locks 2. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. And give the podcast a follow as well at full underscore slate underscore pod. This has been another edition of Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone enjoy your weekends. And, of course, please play responsibly.